You are a fifth through seventh grader. Brett is standing in the back. He's still handsome, Brett, even though Rob's not here too. So sorry to put him on the spot again. He's an amazing single dude, ladies, just so you know. Um, anyways, he's back there, fifth through seventh grade. Follow Brett on out. Um, we live in an incredibly, and this right here is, is our K through fifth coming in and joining us for worship. So that's why you see them exit as well. Uh, what? Your first grade, sorry. First through fifth. <laughs> Whew. Man, put me in my spot. All right. Um, so so I, we live in an incredibly comfortable um, society, comfortable world, comfortable life. In fact, if we're ever in pain, you know, there's a pill for it. In fact, I would say probably the most uncomfortable thing that you're dealing with in your life today is probably the chairs you have to sit in here on Sunday. That's, that's really about as uncomfortable it gets because, see, in, in, in America and whether we're Christian or not, you know, when we think of the word comfort, we think of fluffy pillows and softer beds and a nicer car and a, a bigger house so we're a little bit more comfortable or, or, a, um, or get my way or a shortcut to the, the hard road. We think of comfort. We think of no trials, no pain. We think, of, we think of the easy route. If I had more money, I'd be more comfortable. If I could just get what I want, I'd be more comfortable. And this is kind of the, the belief, whether we, we believe in Jesus or not, this is kind of the life we, we live. And we think, oh, if only life was without pain, we'd be so much more comfortable. If, if only I didn't have to deal with these struggles, it would just be so much easier. And so most of our life and most of our time is spent trying to find comfort. But the problem with this, the problem with this view and the problem with this stance is that I believe that that's in direct conflict with the kingdom of God. Yours and my comfort in this place is in direct conflict when we look at it as relief from pain. When we look at it in a way that we can avoid hardships. See, we even saw a few weeks ago, in, in this, we're, in, we're in Matthew, we saw a few weeks ago where Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. Meaning God took Jesus into the wilderness to be tested, to be tempted. And in that spot, in that dry, desolate place, he brings life, he brings vineyards. So we see the Spirit leading into that. So, so even to say that our life is for our comfort, it, that's in con confrontation with, with direct conflict with that. And the fact that, that God may be leading you to a wilderness, a dry, desolate place, to remove all I false idols from your heart and plant vineyards of life. So this idea that we need to be as comfortable as possible, I think, is, is a lie. In fact, we're going we're gonna to look at the text. But before we do, I've got to say, this is, this is an extremely difficult text. To, to be in, and we're in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, and, and, but this one today is extremely difficult, and, and I, I, I preface it with that because I think a lot of times when we get to a section of Scripture that's hard for us, our answer, our solution is to find comfort, and that's to run from it, to ignore it, to push it off, and maybe say, well, he said, so I'm just going to ignore that. I want to encourage you to kind of lean into this, and, and honestly, I, I, through this text, I think you'll probably leave more uncomfortable today. And that's not because I, I want to make you uncomfortable. That, that's really where I feel like the, te the, the text is taking us. But I want you to know, when you, when you hear the hard stuff today, it's, 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 it's God's word. And, and I, would, I could preach this easier. We could, we could say it easier, but I really don't feel like that, that's where the text goes. And, and I'm going this direction because I love you. And because I don't want anyone to just go around and pretend that they love Jesus. I want people's lives transformed by Jesus. I want people's lives living a life for him and not some comfortable fake life where we show up on Sundays and pretend like everything's good really when our life is not transformed by the gospel 
of the message. And so, so this is a, a harder message, and this is a, a harder truth, but, but I do think it's incredibly beneficial. So I'm going to pray one more time before we get in, and then we'll dig in. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your hard truths. Um, thank you for um, your work on the cross in Jesus Christ so that we could even have freedom. God, it's for him and him alone we live and our lives are meant to bring glory for him. So God, may we just uh, look at this text today. Would you remove from us the distractions? God, some of us, the, the hindrances of our own pride or selfishness is in the way of your word penetrating. God, would you just uproot that? Would you pull those from us? Would you break those off and throw them into a fire? Now, would you continue to change each of us by your word? And may we be changed in a way that brings immense glory to Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. And so we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and, the, and, and in the Beatitudes specifically, and it begins with Jesus seeing the crowd, seeing many people. He went up on the mountain and sat down, and his disciples came to him. And as they came to him, he, he began to teach, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that's where we were last week. And today, it's, it's Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And so before we dig into this text, I think we need to define a few of the words in here. First is, is mourn. There are around 12, 12 words for sorrow or mourn in the Greek language in the, in the New Testament that we see. And this word itself is the most intense meaning of mourning. This is a, a mourning that you can see on someone. It, 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 it comes out. It's not some kind of fake, like, I'm going to cry so people see me, but in a mourning that is incapable of being hidden. It is a morning that we use, we actually, the same morning we see of, uh, biblically of people losing really, really close loved ones. We see the same morning presented when the disciples are mourning after Jesus is dead on the cross before he is risen again. This is an excruciating morning. This is a, a pain, a, a hardship. When he says morning here, this is the, the hardest of morning you can. And so if you've lost a loved one or you've experienced really, really hard morning, that's what he's using here. The, sec the next word I want to define before we go in is, is comfort. Um, the same root is, is helper. We see kind of both of those, comfort, helper, ex helper, ex exhort. It is used for every kind of calling to a person which is meant to produce a particular effect, hence the various meanings. So meaning bringing someone in to comfort us or to help us or to exhort us. It's, it's to have someone come alongside of you. John 14, 16 talks about the Holy Spirit being our comforter our helper and so the the word comfort literally is is to have something come along you something come alongside and to to bring you to a better spot to to pull you into a better spot into a place of joy and then he says blessed which we defined last week this is the highest good blessed good is it for you happy and not some some cheap happiness that's contingent on circumstances but a true happy a joy that is contingent on god who is never changing and so we see this, this sentence, it's almost like we can read it as if Jesus is saying, happy are the unhappy, for they will be blessed. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense what he's saying here. It seems, it seems so backwards in what he's doing, in what he's saying. But I think in this text there are three promises that, that we can take, and there's, there's probably more, but three today. And so we're going we're gonna to look at these three promises and, and then hopefully figure out what it means for us. The first one is, um, and this is a key promise, and this is why I think that the, the enemy has gotten a lot of lies into our heads, and that is that we run around trying to be happy. And you've ever heard people say, like, and I just, you know, if you, if you love Jesus, life is perfect, and, and fluffy bunnies, and everything's awesome, and, and so good, and if you spent any time in this world walking with Jesus, you know that that is not 
the case. In fact, the promise we can get from this text is that there is mourning. There is intense pain present. There will be. There is today. There was yesterday. There is mourning. So the promise is for those of us in this room, mourning is present. Weeping is present. A, a, an excruciating pain that comes from within that dra draws sorrow to us, that is present in our life. And if it isn't here right now, it's going to be here tomorrow or next week, but it is going to happen. The promise we can get from this text is that you will mourn, that you and I will both mourn. That's the promise we can get from this text. But if you think about it, it doesn't take long. Turn on the news. You don't even have to turn on the news because people love to be political on Facebook too, but it takes 30 seconds. It takes 30 seconds to figure out how messed up this world is. It takes 30 seconds to figure out, man, this place is a mess. In fact, if we were honest with ourselves, it takes about half that amount of time to look in the mirror and realize how much of a mess we are. So, so Jesus comes off this idea of poor in spirit, meaning we are, we are, we are depraved. And that draws us to mourning. This, this text, the mourning could be defined a number of ways. Some, some scholars say it's, it's the mourning of our state. Other scholars say it's the mourning of the state of this world. And others say it's just mourning in general. If you lose a loved one or, or, or have lost a loved one or you're in pain, I think all of those apply. Mourning's present. We mourn our own depravity. We mourn when we see the truth of ourselves and our shortcomings in light of our God who is so holy. We mourn over our sins, over the conditions of this world. We see the devastating effect of sin. We mourn the blindness of family members that don't know Jesus that we want so badly to walk in light. Honestly, I mean, we mourn a lot. And, and if you're not mourning, if you're not in a state of mourning, then there's a couple things that could be there. One is, is, is it's coming, just wait. The other is you've just tried to isolate yourself so much from people in this world that you just don't want to pay attention to it because it's too hard. And you've taken a shortcut out because you believe the lie that comfort is pain relief when that is not what Jesus is talking about here. I'm not pointing out like or saying that we need some masochistic view of life and that it's horrible and we should just all go around wailing and beating ourselves. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it wouldn't take long for us to recognize just how messed up, how broken this place is. And if you haven't felt it here, go to the Philippines. It doesn't take long there. If you haven't felt it in, in your life, look at someone down at Rhodes Park or someone that is, is missing the, the freedom to have in Christ, the luxuries, the comforts you have. It doesn't take long. Mourning is present. We've lost loved ones. And mourning doesn't go away. So, so the promise from this text is that there is mourning. You will mourn. You shall mourn. It's happening. I'm not pulling out some kind of like, you need to be a man and not cry. You know, mourning can, can look itself different in tears. Mourning, this is a, this is a, a pain in our heart that, that, that hurts. It hurts when you see it in... in in all these instances, it hurts when you're battling some addiction over and over again and you can't seem to shake it. It hurts when you, when you hurt your spouse or your children. It's just this brokenness that just draws pain out of us. And that is a promise that Jesus gives us in this text, that you will 
mourn. The second promise that comes out of this text is you shall be comforted. Now, I want to be really clear. Remember the first beatitude in, in poor in spirit says theirs is, and the rest of them say shall be. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, now you shall be. So that means that at some point in time, you will be comforted. That doesn't mean today you're comforted. It may, it may happen, but, but at some point. And, and again, the comfort that Jesus is talking about is different. So I want to look at a text real quick. First is, is Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. It says, The Spirit of the Lord, is of God, Lord God is upon me. This is a prophecy Isaiah had of Jesus Christ. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who, who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I want to be really clear on this. This promise of comfort comes only through Jesus Christ. So if you are right now in this life, apart, separated from him, don't believe him as your Lord and Savior, there is no promise of comfort for you. Our comfort is in this. We know that this is true because Jesus stands up in Nazareth in Luke 4, and he, he quotes the very first part of this text. This text has been somewhat hijacked by by, um, by causes, saying, I'm going to bring the good news. It, the good news is Jesus Christ, right? He's, he's the one that, that does it. It's, it. Our truth, our freedom, our happiness, our joy from mourning, our laughter comes from him. And you know when that began? That began when he broke into this world and came down a man and lived perfectly here to be crucified on a cross for us. So our comfort is Jesus Christ only. It's not fluffy pillows. It's not relief of pain. It's not more money. It's Jesus Christ. All of those things can happen, and they're not horrible, but, but it's of Jesus Christ. It's his work. It's his comfort. But here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Our true comfort, this is the hard truth for us to swallow. Our true comfort will never happen on this world at this time until Jesus comes again. See, this world is broken. We will never be free of pain. Think about it. Uh, Brett, actually, who just left with the fifth through seventh graders, he lost his brother to cancer at 12 years old. It's been 12 years. And I asked him, I said, do you still mourn him? He said, pretty much every day. Doesn't mean that Brett goes on living this horrible life. He, he lives a life of joy and serving God. But that pain is always present. Why? Because this world is broken. But the good news, the promise out of this is Revelations 21.4, speaking of end times when Jesus comes back. He, Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So our comfort comes at the culmination, at the end of Jesus coming back and making his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning that our comfort is in that, in that alone. In this world, there's pain. In this world, there's mourning. In this world, there's sadness. Our ultimate comfort comes at the end, the culmination of his kingdom. Jesus prayed for it. God, your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Even in the garden, it was, they worked. It wasn't like they sat around playing harps and, and fluffy pillows. Like, right, there was, comfort isn't even what we think sometimes. 
We have an opportunity to, to worship God in the presence of his kingdom being here. And we know from last week that his kingdom is present now. We know that it's here, but it's not complete. It's this broken world. So comfort will be ours at the fullness of brokenness being gone. So some of you right now, you're in this spot where you're like, I just want comfort. I just want to feel some relief from this pain. You may not ever feel that completely until Jesus comes again. Brett is going to feel the loss of his brother for the rest of his life. There's a third promise that comes out of this, and I did them in this order intentionally because I think we're so afraid of pain that we run from it. The third promise is that there is comfort for us today. God promises all over, if you read the scriptures, that he will bring comfort to us today. In fact, he, he says it in, um, in Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of what? All comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any afflictions with the comfort with which he, which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for, the, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So he says this promise, look, there is going to be comfort today, but it is not going to be relief from all trials. It is not going to be free from all pain in this world because this world is broken. There's too much sin in us and everyone around us to not see that. But there is comfort. But here's the, here's the, the thing. He says in here that when you suffer and you, and you struggle, that's for, for what? For your salvation. But when you're comforted, what's that for? For someone else who's suffering. See, the promise is that when I'm comforted, I now experience God's comfort in a moment, in an instant in my life. I am now present with someone else to show God's love and comfort to them. So it really has little to do with my comfort as, at all. We receive comfort um, today uh, through a number of ways, but, but the main way that you and I experience comfort today, even though it's not the release of all brokenness, the way we experience comfort today is through the Holy Spirit. He, like I said, John 14, 16, he is our comforter. He is our helper. Jesus says it is better for him to go so that the Holy Spirit could be here. Right? He's our comforter. And the way the Holy Spirit comforts us is he does it a number of ways. One way is he, he draws us into communion with our Father through prayer. He draws us to get on our knees and be before God and be in communion communicating to him. The Spirit longs for community with the Father. And he pulls us to that. He pulls us to prayer with him. Another way he comforts us is, is with the word of God, the Bible. Have you ever been in a situation, I can think of one instance in my life where, plenty of them, but I can think of one off the top of my head, where I was in the middle of this, just this horrific trial. At least at that moment it felt horrific. Then in context everything else it seems pretty small. But I was really struggling and I just had been reading through the Bible, and I got to the spot in the section where, where Jesus is, is sleeping in the bottom of the boat, and there's a storm going on, and, and they're like, don't you even care, God? Don't you even care? We're about to die. And he just comes up and says, yeah, quiet down, storm. And the storm calms, and they're like, whoa, he's so holy. Right? There's this moment. 
I have read that text and heard that story a hundred times, but in that instance, it radically changed my life. Same text, been there the whole time. The Holy Spirit draws truth to us in the time of need out of the same word that we have in front of us all day long. He pulls truths to us in the Bible. I find great comfort in the hope of the future of our Lord's coming kingdom. I'm comforted to know that God reigns, to know that Jesus died for my sins and failures. I'm comforted to know that God does not see me in my futile struggles for perfection, but sees me as a righteous son because of Christ. That's all truth that I get from the Spirit and God's word. So he comforts us with his word. The problem is with a lot of us, we don't really believe his word has value. We don't really believe it as truth. We like to see how we can dissect it and make it work so that I can be more comfortable now. And the third way, we already hit this in, in, in 2 Corinthians, the third way that the Spirit comforts us is through covenantal community. See, this is, this is key because you've been in a spot where life is hard or you've experienced something very difficult or you're doing it right now and it is amazing the comfort that the Spirit can bring you through the comfort of someone else and the Spirit in them. See, we're, we're meant to do life together. We're not meant to be isolated in the middle of nowhere. The pain of our loneliness can be so intense that even our closest friends and relatives at times can't understand. But here's the thing, God does understand that. And that's why he still pushes us into community and fellowship with him and each other. One of the best ways you can be comforted is with someone else. I remember my, my first experience in the Philippines. I was just there, and, and we just experienced this horrific night in Angeles City, and I was so mad, so mad. I have never been that mad in my entire life, and I, 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 I didn't even know what I was feeling. And we get back to the hotel room, and it's like 3 o'clock, and some of the Hope House girls are there, and, and Mother Teresa or Becky of the Hope House, because she's awesome, is there. And we're all just kind of crying and mad, and, and one of the girls stands up and throws her, her key on the floor, one of the Hope House girls, and slams on the girl. This is so stupid, and just, just mad. And I'm just angry, and I remember sitting in that room, and, and Becky says, we need to pray. And my thought in my head is, don't you call on the pastor in the room to pray, because I don't want to pray right now. That was literally what I thought, just so you guys know. That's how mad I was. She's like, Bren, will you pray? I said, no, I won't. She's like, Bren, please pray. And I don't remember what I prayed, but I remember this. In that room, with girls who now have hope, with all of us who have love, the love of Christ, an hour later of prayer and worship music, and all of a sudden I felt a comfort that made no sense in the place I was at. It makes no sense. But he uses each other. Spirit uses each other. So why then are we, oh, I'm going through something and no one else will understand? Or I tried to ask someone for help once and they fell down, and so we just assume isolation is the key. And we push away from community because, oh, I've been hurt by community. The Spirit uses that spirit inside of you and me to comfort each other. That's why we went through the trials we go through for someone else. We'll never be present for them if we aren't willing to be in covenantal community. So what does this mean for us? Some of you in the room right now are dealing with hardships. You're dealing with death or addiction or struggles or pain or, or the same sin over and over again or you can't, you can't seem to shake your loneliness or your depression. What does that mean for you today? What is, wh why now? Where's, maybe you're asking the question, where's my comfort in this now? We may not understand why God allows tragedy to strike 
but we can rest in the, the infinite wisdom and tender mercies of him. See, one thing I know is that whatever pain you're in right now, we know that God understands that pain because we can look at the cross. See, we know that God understands that pain because he looks at the cross. So you're asking, what about me? Where's my comfort now? May I just push a little bit and ask you a question? Do you remember your part in the story? Is, is God's ultimate goal to make you comfortable? Or is it about bringing glory to him? See, at our best, we are bondservants. We are slaves to Christ. Slaves. So maybe for us, it's not trying to find comfort in, in the Bible or comfort in the Holy Spirit or comfort in anything else. Maybe we just need to remember who actually is saying this verse. See, it's Jesus Christ who came in perfect community with God, fully God, and, and humbled himself enough to come down and live on a wretched earth to be spit on, to be a man of sorrows, as Isaiah 53 says, to be crucified and hung on a cross so that we could be in right relationship. So maybe what we need to understand is I don't get comfort, and I know I want comfort, but God promises it. In fact, it comes out of Jesus' mouth right here that there will be comfort. So maybe we need to stop focusing on our surroundings at this moment and fix our eyes on the prize of Christ and recognize that he will comfort. He will wipe every tear. He will remove all mourning, all sadness, all brokenness. It will be gone. And we just need to rest in that truth. Maybe some of you, you're just wrestling with that truth. If you see that through, if you really feel like I should have comfort today and you wrestle with that truth and you push against that, you're wrestling with the words of Jesus Christ. So maybe it's time we go back to who he is. Is he truly God? Is he truly our Messiah? Is he truly your king? Like Matthew's laying him out here, inspired by God. I love in this text because we see the, the gospel in its entirety. We see this broken, messed up person that I am and that this world is and the need for a Messiah, a Savior. And God brings Jesus in, bringing his kingdom to presence right now to live this perfect life, to be crucified on a cross, to take all of the wrath of God that I deserve and pour it out on Jesus Christ. And we see that when he does that, 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 that he breaks the chains of the bondage of sin and we are now free to live in this present day and age with a portion of his kingdom being his salt and light here now, only to know that our hope doesn't even remain in now, but in the future of him coming and bringing all things new and whole again back to God. We see it in its full culmination here. See, when we come to the cross, when we, we accept the cross, we're going to be going against everything that this world says comfort is. Everything. Like the, the, Jesus says, die to yourself daily. That's not really comfortable. We get, to, we, get to, we get to be buried with him and we get to share in his suffering, but we're also heirs of his kingdom, children of him. And maybe some of you, you're in here, you're like, this is all good, but I, I, don't, I don't really feel comfortable and I really want comfort right now. I guess the, the best I can give you is that God knows. God's in control. Maybe some of you, you're living your life kind of as a functional atheist. 
where you're like, yeah, you know, I believe in Jesus sometimes on Sundays, and I show up, and it's cool. But when it comes to his words, I'm not going to really let them sink in because I kind of like this aspect of my life, and I want to lead this part of my life. Jesus is saying, no, 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 trust me. You're going to mourn. I promise you, you're going to be sad and heartbroken, and it's going to continue to happen. But, but here's the good news. Not only will it all go away because history has an end, but even in the present context, I will show you my mercy and my grace continually. Look at the Apostle Paul. If we look at anyone that, man, this guy gets it. You know, the apostles, maybe the, the first well, they kind of struggle. But, man, Paul, he got it. He was so good. In Romans 7, he talks about how he can't even do what he wants to do. He struggles over and over again to do what he knows he's supposed to do. And he's wrestling with what the law says and, and knowing who Jesus is. And he says, in all of it, in all of it, I give up. I know that I am incapable of any good. Anything that's good in me is because of the work of Jesus Christ. And by that and that alone will I live to bring glory to him. So if he wrestles with it, my assumption is you and I are going to wrestle with this as well. But if our comfort's in the spirit, then he's going to comfort us by his word, by prayer, by covenantal community. We're going to sing some more songs. We're actually going to do communion in a second. Josh is going to lead us in that. So, But before we do, I, I guess... I guess maybe the question of this text and what I wrestle with all week long is, is God in control? Is he, is he in control? Because at the root of everything, if I'm in a spot of mourning and I'm, I'm really saddened and I'm struggling, that's where that butts up in my head, in my life. Is, is he really in control? Because if I let go, I could free fall. And who knows how long. And here's the thing, the promise of this text, our mourning may last for years. Again, I go back to Brett, 12 years, and he still daily thinks about his brother and loves him and misses him. Blessed is he because in his mourning, he will see the redemptive work of Christ and be comforted. Father, thank you for your work. Thank you for your word. God, I pray, um, I pray maybe that, that we'd be less comfortable I pray that maybe we would stop running to uh, relief from pain and maybe just trust that through the pain you will show us your glory. Through the pain you will show us more of who you are. And I know in a room this size, it's not hard to think about how many different people are mourning for many different reasons. Future pains, present pains, past pains. God made you just break in and remind them that, that blessing comes from that. In some, some crazy way, God, you, you bring your blessing. You bring comfort. God, may we just maybe fix our eyes no longer on our surroundings and, and the pain we're in, but, but in knowing that, that ultimately, God, in the end, history does end. You have changed all things in the end. You wipe every tear, every sadness, every morning, all of it is gone. May we rest in that. May we be comfortable in that, knowing that today in this present age, our suffering and our trial will produce perseverance and faith that is more valuable than gold. Now, may we not run from the pain. May we acknowledge it. Maybe some of us in this room, God, we're just too hard. Would you soften us? Would you, would you break us down? Maybe we just need to look in the mirror and you need to remind us of the depravity of our own soul. And when we mourn, would that lead us to repentance to you, God? Lead us to repentance and to your cross and recognizing that you made us a new creation in Christ.
and that you will take our sadness and you'll turn it to joy. God, may we, may we just be less comfortable. Father, may there be more mourning and, and more action that's led to that that brings way more glory to your son, Jesus Christ, than us. But Father, I, I pray specifically, um, would you show us your redemptive work? Would you show us redemptive work in each of our lives? So those of us in the room that are struggling with the same sin over and over and over again, would you bring us to a moment of mourning and brokenness? And we release that at the cross, God, and live fully by your power and your strength, led by your spirit. And in some unique way, would you comfort us in that? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.